0: Guess what, Jeremy? It's time. We're back.
1: <laughs> it's time. When was, last time we, it. when was the last time we did this? Was it uh, National Public Safety It's been that long. It it's been feels a, like
0: it's, Brett, it was two months ago.
1: It's been a crazy. Uh, it's been a crazy few months.
0: Yeah, it has. But, but I. But
1: I will tell. You, but I will tell you because I'm. I'm broadcasting live from the Arizona. APCO Nina State Training Conference right now. I'm going to be boarding my flight uh, in in a few hours, but uh, I can't tell you how many people came up to me, not just at this conference, but at other conferences, especially at uh, Nina, what, last week, and thanked both you and me for for that session and for everything we did. I mean, just they came out out of the blue, and I was like, that's awesome. So,
0: Yeah, it was super cool. And then I realized, so you know me and my task capabilities. I'm pretty impressed. I only forgot to mail one Prize, and they reached out today, so I'll make sure I get that taken care and of. And so. I and I
1: didn't even and I didn't even come out to help you with any of that, did I?
0: No, you did it, but that's okay. I, I took I, care of it. I uh, mailed out, I
1: mailed out all the stuff on my end, so I got all that stuff did. taken care of. So
0: you did, uh, but I'm wicked good. excited to be here. Obviously, um, yeah. I get wicked excited about these things, and and I know you and I are working together on lots of things behind the scenes uh but first i have to start off by saying thank you to nga next generation advanced you guys are are my you know premier sponsor of the podcast and and you know things media for me and and i truly appreciate it and i just enjoy seeing you guys at the conferences too you're so fun uh i get to see everybody when i'm there and thank them in person but this has been it's been a wonderful ride and we're, we're getting to do a lot of things together and i can't believe it's already halfway through the year it's yeah crazy. We're,
1: we're we're having a lot of fun with it and i think you and i have got a lot of uh, cool things in store which maybe we can kind of touch on today a little bit we, we do have some folks chime in uh our good buddy ryan ryan deadman yes. there chiming in a rye pete's in there mm-hmm. as well so if you guys have the opportunity to drop something into the comments section um either now or when we're talking with our Two special guests. Uh, we're going to try to entertain those questions and field those to the best of our ability.
0: Yeah, because we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. But the best part about this is it's also become going to become a podcast too. So it'll yeah. be there for folks. If you come in halfway and you feel like you missed it, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to uh, watch it after the fact. So with that, without further ado... Uh, I would like to bring on our special guests, uh, Anne Camaro and Melissa Alterio. Uh, these are these are two one, 911 Wonder Women that I, I have the pleasure <laughs> of spending time with. You two, Jeremy, and we're gonna talk about some of that stuff, but hello ladies. Melissa,
2: how are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's good to see you guys, how are you?
0: It is, it is good to see everybody, right? Ann, how are you doing, my friend?
2: Doing well. How are you?
0: Everybody else doing? Good. <laughs> so when Jeremy and I were talking about, so, so the title of this particular series that we're doing is, you know, going live with the best of 911. And there's there's going to be a whole bunch of folks that, you know, my, in my mind, there's so many people that, that I want to have conversations with. We knew it was a no-brainer to have you guys on first. So I'm going to pass it over to Jeremy. Jeremy, you want to talk about you know how this this foursome got brought together in a in a very special and meaningful way, and then we'll dig more into that.
1: I would only echo, yeah, what what uh, Tracy said, which is, um, you know, is for those of you that don't know, I joined NGA in October of last year, but prior to that, I was a director uh, at a PSAP app in New Jersey, and I moved to that Peace app right in the midst of COVID, uh, early 2020. So it was, you know. It was a brand new situation for me. It was much like when I moved to uh, to Springfield, Mass to become the director there a couple of years prior to that. You know, totally new environment, new neighborhood. And what you really need at that point is kind of a sounding board or somebody you can kind of bounce ideas off of or say, hey, here's what I'm experiencing today or here's one of the other things I'm dealing with. And that was really where the four of us, uh, I don't I don't remember how many times we got together in this type of a forum. It wasn't public, of course, it was just the four of us. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's probably good. Some of that wasn't recorded. But um, no, the four of us have known each other for a long time. We've done a lot of sessions together. And, uh, you know, it, it was great being able to have that sounding board in the in the early days with that. Most recent piece app I was with, but I know that since then the four of us have talked on occasion, uh, both at conferences and in this kind of a forum. So it's it's just great to be able to, to kind of reconnect again. I, I won't say the pandemic's over with. I mean, I think we're pretty far from that, but let's uh let's kind of bring back some of those memories and talk about that and and expand on some of the other stories that are going on right now.
0: Yeah, and I think what happened too is if you look at the way that they everything was kind of layering itself. So so I was in my position as the director of the, you know, the Rochester 911 center a long time ago. So I held that position, but I also left the 911 center. And then Melissa, do you want to talk a little bit about what was happening with you right about this same time that was kind of different and a big deal?
2: So, yeah, so during COVID I was with a, uh, I was with a smaller 911 center, um, at a, a medium size, but this, this was my saving grace connecting with, a. Uh, what was it like a couple of months into COVID and everything was kind of shut down and we were going a little stir crazy because we were doing our group messages. And then I don't even remember who suggested it. I don't know. I don't remember. We need to do a virtual and then we just did it. And then it was, it just kind of took off from there. Um, Some things should definitely not be repeated from those virtual, (laughs) virtual friend, (laughs) friend meetings. Um, So yeah, I, I was I was in a different 911 center, and then, you know, it's always been my dream to lead a, a large 911 center, and I'm, I'm here now at a 145-person PSAP here in Metro Atlanta and Cobb County, and so I kind of made that transition also just, just a year ago, um, just yeah. in here, over a year. So we've definitely had some changes ourselves here during COVID, and yeah. the, the same thing, but what was great, and I think what a great message for everybody is here, you cannot, do this job, you can in in any rank without some type of support system, and I encourage everybody to try and have that support system outside of work, because we still bounce things off of each other, right?
0: Oh yeah. And Anne, what what about you? So, so, when we first started our little get-together, um, you held the position in Cambridge, right? And then why don't you talk a little bit about your transition over the last? yeah, year? and
3: and same thing. Like, I think we all kind of transitioned in this last you know, year and a half, two years. Um, you know, I was the deputy director in in Cambridge. Just, you know, that right around when Covid hit our other deputy directors, there were two of us. other one quit so i was kind of like doing both jobs and you know picking up where where she left off a little bit and um yeah and then probably a year and a half later was when i you know decided to leave and it was it was hard it was hard leaving my staff behind um but you know bigger and better things came my way and i'm now with you know a mid-sized center but definitely uh Enjoying it, and you know, not that it doesn't come with challenges, but it's a it's a great place to be. They
0: and they and they all come with challenges, right? So then, so Jeremy moved into the director position from you know uh, from the director position that he was first in, and then moved out to the the commercial partner side. So these are all huge challenges that we face every day, and I think one of the biggest fears is is folks leaving their people, right? So I know that there's a lot of folks out there and I kind of want to just reiterate the fact that, you know, when we were all in this place, we were all struggling trying to figure it out. Like I was getting ready to leave Rapid SOS and start on scene first. And I didn't know what the heck to expect. And and I know sometimes we're our own worst enemy. And and I want to personally thank you guys for being being my biggest cheerleaders and helping me you know, believe in myself and, and move forward. And I think sometimes we don't necessarily believe in ourselves, right? So um, I'll start with, with Jeremy. Uh, if, if you were having a conversation with somebody that was nervous about taking the next big step, whatever it is, whether it's to be a supervisor, a director, throw their name in the ring for something that is totally out of their comfort zone, what piece of information would you give them, Jeremy, um, in moving forward? Because you've done it a couple of times now.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, what I generally like to convey to folks, and certainly that the three of you are, are examples of that as well, is you have to be able you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone a little bit if you want to, if you expect to grow. And and you know, what I think one of the phrases I heard actually I was at a conference when I heard it is in most PSAPs, there are two things that people don't like, change and the way things are. <laughs> And it's it's an interesting way to look at it because it's one of those damned if you do damned if you don't type situations and uh, you know some of us that are that are in leadership positions want to go in and you know just kind of not rock the boat necessarily but kind of just take the take the easy way and just kind of let things go and kind of coast and there's others that really want to go in and affect positive change and, and do a lot of great things to make the center not only better for the communities that they serve but also for the folks that work in those centers. And that was, that was certainly something that I was trying to do. And I know that Ann and Melissa are, are very much the same way. Um, you have to be in a situation where you, can, where you can truly lead by example and demonstrate to your people why it's important to kind of get out of your comfort zone and move into these different areas. And I had conversations with a lot of the folks uh, that I worked with, both in my, my original center in Rochester, New York, before I moved to uh, Massachusetts. And then ultimately when I moved down to New Jersey, they're like, dude, how, how do you just pack up and leave? And it's like you know what i i don't want to get to the end of my life and say hey i didn't try something or i didn't do something i don't want to have regrets right. and um and even though there were mistakes made along the way and anytime you get into a situation where you're going into foreign territory and you're not sure how it's going to work out you're bound to make mistakes but that's the only way you really you really glean and garner that experience you know, as you move through those situations. And I'm sure that both Melissa and ann have experienced as they've gone from center to center. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there that I've talked to that said, well, I'm kind of waiting for something to happen in my center. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, unless you really love where you are and you see that opportunity on the horizon, uh, there's just so many cool opportunities across the country where we need effective, positive, forward-thinking leadership. And I really that's when I really encourage them. Get out there, put your name in, go ahead and apply for it. One of the other stats that we always hear is that uh, – you know, egotistical guys like myself are like, well, oh, I can do anything. I can be a nuclear physicist, even though I'm not even trained for it. But a lot of the ladies in the profession that are out there, you know, if they don't match up identically with every single attribute of that position, they won't apply for it. Yep. So I, I encourage my wife. I know I've encouraged Melissa and Ann and 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 others on that side. And that's why, you know, we also sponsor Nine Wonder Woman, because I love doing whatever I can do to try to advocate for the profession. We need great Absolutely. leadership. The only way to get there is by taking a little bit of risk. You don't want to have regrets at the end.
0: Yep. Um, Melissa, you look like you, you had something that you wanted to add there as far as.
2: I always have something to say.
0: <laughs> me too. And that's fine. You can keep talking, girl, because you have a lot to say and your words mean something. So Did
2: have at just, it. Me, I always have something to say. I um, I had somebody get in touch with me recently that has a terrible, terrible situation at her um. her center and uh, you know i I try to help her through through it and dealing with it and whatnot but i got to tell you in the back of my mind and my next conversation with her is going to be is is you have to invest in yourself and when you know it's a relationship right And, and if you're not invested in your own career development nobody's going to be invested for you you have to be invested yourself and it's probably time to take that leap and jeremy didn't say it i'm surprised he didn't but Jeremy in one of our presentations uh, last year with Ann, we were talking about this and he he likes to um, use the hashtag don't settle. So that's my thing is if you if you are ready and you're feeling that fire and you're feeling that purpose to do something greater then get out there and do it, because that means that you're meant to do it. So feel the fear and do it anyway. That's been my motto for the last year or so. Right. It's um, so I. Joyce, um, you're right, it's a scary concept. Um, but if w- what's scarier is taking the risk and failing versus never taking the risk at all, right? So it's, um, it's, it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of bravery, it takes a great support system, but it, but it can be done. So I, I agree with Jeremy, step outside of your comfort zone, because nobody's going to to do it for you other than you.
0: Yep. Yeah. And before I let Ann jump in, because I, I know, you know that
2: he has lost video for oh, a second.
0: Oh, he's he's frozen. <laughs> um, before I let uh, Ann jump in there, you know, we all it's funny because we're all throwing out these mottos. Right. Things that um, are our mantras and the things that that we want to move forward is my mantra is defend why you did versus why you didn't. Right. And it goes back to that. Yeah. Am I gonna am I gonna doubt if I ever if I ever did that? Jeremy, are you still frozen?
1: I don't think so. Can you guys hear me okay?
0: Your camera's frozen, but
1: am I can you hear my audio?
0: I can hear yeah. your audio, but you're frozen.
1: All right. Well, hopefully it's a good still shot of my big Shrek head. It's, um, it's a
0: little blurry, but um, I'm gonna and do you wanna jump in and, and add about that? Because I know there's a lot and, and let me just be clear when I say this. You know, whenever I do a presentation, APCO asks me to do presentations on leaving the 911 center, moving to the private. Our goal is never to get you to leave the profession. We want good quality, valuable people to stay, but we also know that there are folks that are making it difficult for them to, to stay and thrive in their environment. So they get faced with this, this place where I can't leave. I, I can't leave. So and do you want to add to, to that?
3: It is. It's it's super scary. I mean, thank God for the three of you, because you know, when I started thinking about leaving Cambridge, like that was my place. That was, you know, the the when I decided to stay in 911 all those years ago, um, the idea was to be, you know, in charge of training at a large center. Like I was already doing that. Like that was my dream job, and then the dream evolved. And, and it's okay for the dream evolve and, and it's okay for the dream to change. And yes, Joyce, it is hard and it's scary because as a mom, I'm right there with you. I, you know, it, it was, it was scary leaving. It was scary thinking about what could come next. What if I don't succeed? What if I'm back to, you know, but um, I always have it in the back of my mind. My mom used to say this all the time. It's the no you already have. So yeah. go after the yes. So. That's, that's what I, you know, like to tell people it's go after the yes, because the
2: no, you already have. That. Because you and also, I, I mean, that. it's also setting a great example for your girls, right? And it's like, you you know, it's okay to be, be brave and take a risk. And, and if you, if you fail, then at least you can say that you did take the risk and you get, you get right back up and you just try again and, and, and do it again.
0: And and with that, is is it really a failure if that didn't work out? Right? Like sometimes in my mind, my trauma brain, if something didn't work out, I would honestly be like, well, I'm a failure. But then on the flip side, fast forward five or 10 years and it's like, no, wait a minute. That was exactly that's exactly what was supposed to happen right. to, to put me right here.
2: We right? never we never fail at anything. We only learn and grow and continue to invest in ourselves. It's it's never a, a failure. Um, I I I want to also just t- take a a second uh, perspective here and really talk to directors out there because I hear and you know Jeremy made made a point of it and we need more quality leaders out there. We meet, we need more people driven leaders. Um, I hear it in my staff and I've heard it in other directors who, when people leave uh, for whatever reason, it's, you know, we, we seem to have the, or some people anyway, seem to have this, you know, almost like this anger and this bitterness because people are leaving. And, and we're, look, we acknowledge that we are in like this critical staffing crisis all across the country, um, everywhere, you know, not just public safety, but lifeguards and, and pilots now. And, you know, so we're in a critical staffing crisis, but in the same sense, i wholeheartedly regardless if I'm, I'm i'm secretly over here going gosh i really i really wish they would stay i wholeheartedly will support anybody who either one wants to better themselves or two puts family first and ha- and, and needs a you know money through friday schedule that we maybe can't give them over here or three again for family and personal gain is is more money i mean not it's it, it is what it is and i it doesn't mean that we should not support people on their new endeavors i wholeheartedly do that of course do i want them to stay and we try our our best to try and create an environment where they um where they want to stay but you know we also know that we're not paid the best and and it's sometimes it's not always that extrinsic factor either it's it's more intrinsic and what's working for them and you know the it's I see directors do it all the time and looking down on people who are leaving and that's not the right way to handle it either
0: no i think there's a difference
2: the human factor out of it and that's not that's just not good that's just not practicing kindness right there
0: right and so you said the human factor and i whenever the word human comes up i think of what roxy said in one of our sessions that we did a zoom call that we did at one point is that you know you have to bring the human Aspect of things back, and I think the directors that are supportive of folks and understanding, you know, that that sends a message to the rest of the team, right? Do we want folks to leave? No, but you have to be supportive because if I didn't have the support with you guys and you know a handful of others, I I'm I might have stayed in a position. And just to be clear, I, I've I've said this, I've been very clear. I didn't leave Rapid SOS because there was a problem. Mm-hmm. I left Rapid SOS because my passion and my mission and the legacy that Tracy Eldridge wanted to, to leave was just a little bit different than, than that moment,
3: right?
1: I and I think fro- another
3: thing is, oh, sorry.
1: I didn't, is know, also I didn't too- know if my video was still frozen or not. No, you're back. Before. You're
0: back. Okay.
1: Go ahead. Go and ahead, Anne. You, you as it directors, out. It
3: we have to be proud of our staff, especially yeah. the ones that are leaving to go pursue something different or to... To go into a bigger, you know, position or a different position, um, you know, I had somebody who left, uh, who was, you know, my 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 right hand, and you know, she left Cambridge to go be a director in, in a neighboring town, and I I remember how proud I felt of her, um, and just you know, her coming back to say, you know, you developed me and you allowed me to to be the person that I am today, and I'm like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great. You know, when I That's left, uh,
2: when I left the pre, Tracy mentioned it earlier. When I left the uh, previous agency, and I think somebody in the chat mentioned it too. That you know, how how do you say goodbye to those who are your family have, for so long? Well, one, you 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 make new connections, right? And. And two, I, I sat down with my folks and there were some tears and stuff, but I also said, like, this is this is exactly what I'm doing is exactly what we're preparing you for, is when an opportunity comes up for growth or improvement, you you take it and know that you're supportive. And what we have left behind is something that's, you know, left a legacy for years to come. And and I really encourage and challenge all of them to make sure that they kept it going because they they had the tools and the resources and the knowledge and and the abilities at that point to to do it and they're still thriving over there so you know what they first saw is like oh my god you're leaving us doom and gloom and it's like no you have and that's what you know i see roxy talking about is that's what is all a part of building that um that culture and helping to develop your folks that are are there It's so important that, yes, everybody needs to be invested in their own professional development, but as leaders, it's also a great privilege for us to be involved in their professional development and inspire them to want to improve.
0: Agreed. Jeremy, what were you going to say before?
1: Yeah, no, and I think to Anne's point, you know, I I was asked at one point, you know, how do you measure success? And I said, by by the upward mobility and promotion of those that serve me. And, you know, you, you spend a lot of time working and kind of grooming these folks. And and I remember, and I actually have spoken on many occasions uh, about one of the best, actually the best boss I ever had, a guy by the name of John. Um, and I, I put stuff out on social media about it because he really, he really did change things exponentially for me and really changed my whole way of thinking when it comes to being in that that supervisory subordinate role and situation. But the, the other situation I wanted to talk about was, you know, one of the, the, the first center I was a director for, I remember one of the... Uh, one of the my staff members walked in one day and she was kind of skittish. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? She goes, I just want to let you know, you know, I, I'm I'm going to be putting in my two weeks. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, what's going on? She goes, well, I got this job as a flight attendant with, you know, one of the airlines. And I knew that her and her boyfriend, you know, they go they all over the place when traveling all over the place. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, you know, what airline? And, you know, where are you going to win it? And she's like, I think she was taken aback because she, she expected me to reach across the table and, like, choke her out and say, well, why are you leaving? You can't leave. And, and it was like I, I was like, no, I said, I'm I tell everybody on day one, at least when I was a, a director in a PSAP role on day one, I would go in and meet with all the folks in my in, in our class. And I'd say, you know, I realize that a lot of you probably didn't leave high school or whatever job you were in thinking this was your dream job. I and mean, most people don't say I want to be a 911 dispatcher. That's my dream job. Um, a lot of us go into this role with the expectation of doing something else. And end up finding out that this is really an, an incredible place to be which is why we stay but what i told everybody in the, in the class was if this isn't your dream job that's fine i'm totally cool with that i said all i ask is while you're here you give me 110 percent of your effort and i said i will do everything in my professional capability to help get you to where you want to be. And the, 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 the example I always give is a basket weaver. If you want to be a professional basket weaver, I will, I'll look into my network and find out who knows about that. And we'll get you hooked up with the right person. But, but while you're here, you got to give me 110%. But I think both, I think all of you have actually mentioned it. We have to be in a situation as leaders where we're out there hyping up and promoting our people.
0: Yep. And doing these things.
1: And I can't I can't tell you how many times I would post stuff on social media, especially during National Public Safety Telecommunicators Week. I think this is the first time I've shared it. Where I would put, you know, like one day we bought ice cream Sundays for everybody. And one day we did this. And one day we did this. And and a couple of directors reached out to me and privately and said, Dude, you're killing me. Uh I said, Why? They said, because dude, I mean, you know, I'm like, well, I'm like, well, what did you do for your people today? Silence.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm not picking on them. I get it. Everybody has a different way and outlook, but if if one by one, a few of us, time after time, and and you don't have to be a director to do this, you can be a supervisor, you can be a dispatcher, but we have to lead by example. The only way this profession is going to get better, and the only way that we're going to be able to battle these recruitment and retention situations that we're dealing with, is to make the environment better for the people that work for us. And you have to show you have to show genuine care, and you have to be able to lift your people up and, and watch them move forward and celebrate the wins.
0: Well, I, I do want to um, bring up a post, but first I'm going to tell you, Jeremy, I already warned you, sit on your hands, stop banging the desk. This is going to be a this podcast. Is, this, is the,
1: this is the passion. I'm sorry. When the passion this happens. This is
0: the passion. And it was so funny. Like literally before we started, I'm like, beware, don't tap, don't tap the desk. You're away. tapping before right he's now. Like.
1: He's sorry, like, I'll I'll, hand, I'll handcuff myself when I get passionate again. Sorry. He's
0: like Animal on the Muppets. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I, I do want to bring up because uh, you just you just touched on it, too, and um, I've missed you on live. Can you tell? Uh, so I want to bring this up from from Amanda and you, you just touched on it as well. How do we start the conversations about admin being proud and supportive of heroes before they decide to leave? Right. And, oh. and I, I think that's amazing, because in one of my classes, I, pay, I play a video by Jay Shetty, and if you don't follow Jay Shetty, you need to. I, I already told my husband, he's like the, sec, he's the next husband because he's just good. Um, but there's something that he says in there, and you, you, uh, one of you said it already, is that you, you can't always count on others to, to promote you, to make you feel good about the things that you're doing. So we have to get better at understanding that there are just some folks that they, they can't and they won't do it for whatever reason. Uh, But I do think this is really important. And he mentions it in his video that I play in one of my eight-hour classes. And then I follow it up with this. As a supervisor, as a director, as a deputy director, as a training coordinator, you have to touch base with your people. You have to have one-on-one conversations. You have to ask them, are you motivated? Are you supported? What can I do? What can we do? And you have to, here's, here's the kicker for this, you have to be ready to hear the truth mm-hmm. because it might not be what you want to hear. When I did the CCM class in uh, 2016, the Com center manager class by Fitch and Associates, they did like a 360 evaluation, which I'm now providing for 911 centers because it's huge and it was huge for me, is they asked questions. And they were from your peers, from your subordinates, from your managers, And that was one of the hardest things I ever received the results for because there were places where I knew that I was excelling and being a really good boss. And then there were some places that I had some blind spots and the best, the worst thing I ever did was do that. But then the best thing was, too, because it made me realize that there were places I could do better. And I think that's really important. Uh, Anne and Melissa, since you're in the centers now, are you doing any type of pulse check with folks?
2: all the time. I mean, I, I will say <laughs> perception is people's reality. So, yeah. you know, I, I kind of had a, a, a mirror put up in front of my face, figuratively speaking, of course, um, just uh, just the other day with uh, with our supervisor staff, but I won't go into details in case some of them are watching. They know. Um, and it was just some feedback that I was asking for and that we d- didn't know that we were doing or not doing. And, um, and then we're going to now, you know, seek to correct that. And we have, we all, you know, got together collaboratively, and we have a great plan moving forward. So, I, I want to touch on Amanda's um, question. I think, and I read this in a Harvard Business Review um, article, and I will, I will try and find it, and maybe Tracy can post it at some point. Is yeah, there, so- there's, a, there's a way um, to give your boss feedback, and you know, if you do it in a respectful, professional manner that you know you have a courageous conversation with that individual and let them know what's going on and what the staff needs believe it or not we're not perfect i mean let me say that again we are not perfect we don't know what we don't know so yeah. somebody had mentioned it recently here that sometimes our our staff has expectations that are superhuman <laughs> and so and again so we when we Think that we're doing you know whether it be in an email and you know or, or something like what the, the story in our heads are a little bit different than what the the story in their heads are so feedback is super important um, so i i i highly suggest you do that amanda but then the second point sorry Anne, i'm going to jump in one more time here is our folks also took it upon themselves to create a morale committee so because we, you know, we talked, yes, we support that, um, but they started cheering each other on and becoming each other's cheerleader. And that also, I mean, it's something as, as you know, simple as, as sticky notes on lockers and, you know, you're, you're doing great today. And I think you're like the kindest person I know. And it was, you know, when I walked up there and I saw all these sticky notes, I'm like, it was just a proud moment because now that. the message is they're looking out for each other. And that is another um, area where you cannot always rely on leadership. Yeah. And sometimes there are just bad leaders in 911 centers. That's a fact. And then sometimes there are those of us who might be oblivious to what somebody else is thinking because we don't, we we've never heard of it before. So, yeah, and I I
3: totally agree with everything. And I'm usually the one that's like pushing people to do stuff, as uh, my my good friend Liz says. Uh, what have you signed me up for this time? Every Volunt, time I call, i Voluntold, <laughs> So, you know, I'm starting to do that at my new center. And I think, you know, people are still getting used to me. And it's usually like, hey, would anybody like to do this with me? And they're like crickets. And I'm like, so then I'll go to like specific people and I'm like, okay, well, how would you like to do this with me? And then it's a little harder for them to say no. And I'm like, okay, let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll take you under my wing and we'll do it together. And then you can do it on your own. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, Liz and I started when I was back in Cambridge was, you know, just doing sessions at conferences for things that we were doing and talking about all the changes that we were making. And I wasn't the director, I was the assistant director, and she was the training supervisor. And, you know, we just did it and it worked and, you know, got her to enjoy doing it with me and and growing in that sense as well. So, you know, sometimes you do have to be a little pushy and I am a little pushy and I, you know, proud of it. (laughs) You
0: should be, you should be. So I love, I love this conversation, but there's a couple of things that I want, you know, to chat about with you guys too. Um, And the the first topic, I I have two more topics that I want to talk to you guys about. So the first one is, and we've touched on it, is, is kind of that people driven leadership. And, and I think everyone on this call is a firm believer and there has to be, you know, some form of people driven or, or servant leadership. Um, I'll start, I'll start with you, Ann. Where, where was the first place? Um, cause I, cause I kind of know where it was for me and maybe you can answer this or can't answer it, but where was the first place that you really learned that people have to come first?
3: So I think because I was in Maynard for such a short uh, period of time, that was very transitional. When I first got to Cambridge, and and Cambridge is a bigger department, so it's it's there's so many moving parts, and that's I think that's where I began to see that you know people have to come first. They 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 have to matter more than the 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 bottom line, right? Like if you take care of your people, your people will take care of your customers kind of thing. Yeah. Um, You know, I I remember my first national telecommunications week there. um, We just did, you know, little gifts and stuff. And I remember just thinking like, okay, yeah, but, but this is not enough, you know? And then the second year, like I actually came in and cooked breakfast seven days Mm -hmm. that week for my staff. Um, So it's, it's, that was like the first time that I noticed that it actually works to put people first. Um, before that, I think even before I was in any kind of leadership um, position, I, I, I remember thinking about what was missing. I think that was the bigger thing was when I was under that bad leadership was like just thinking about of what was missing. How is it that I can make this better or more bearable for me to stay here, yeah. um, So I think I think those were like two points where I was like, people really should come first.
0: I love it. I love it. And uh, our our good friend Adam Tim just chimed in there, right? Like so so like check this out right here, right right. Shameless plug: people driven leadership <laughs> from our, my friend my friend Adam. And uh, I know Melissa, you had some stuff to do with that. Uh, but it, it is one. it's, it's 100% true. And, and I think that's where I found for me when I did that 360. That 360 for me, I've always been a people driven person. I know I always put people first. But when I was in a leadership role, that was a little bit different for me. And, and I did put a lot of focus on the, the machine working properly. And I didn't put everything I had into the people that were actually operating nice. the machine um melissa where, where where did you first realize i know you've been doing this for a really long time and like as far as people driven leadership stuff but where where were you first where was like a moment
2: i think that um i'm not sure that that's the right question because it happens all the time yeah so um Honestly, and and I tell this to people all the time. Going from frontline telecommunicator to director was one of the biggest thing. And I'm not saying that there aren't servant leaders or people driven leaders that have not done that, but that was the biggest thing for me because, you know, when when you see your boss walk through and doesn't know your name or not not even bother to say hey, you know, and recognize the fact that you actually came in for overtime today and say hey, thank you. We all say that we don't need recognition in the job, but we do because again, we're humans and we need to be told mm-hmm. that. Hey, that haircut looks great today. Did you just get your haircut or what nice shirt? Or, you know, that's just good old fashioned again, being kind. And just because our folks are sitting in the seat and are on the front lines and they are supposed to be, you know, tough. And that's BS because we're human. Yeah. So it happens like it, it's happened a lot throughout my career as a director. Um, and then I've had a couple of aha moments in there. So somebody. um And I can't tell who it is because it just says Facebook user, but somebody had said that everybody should be treated equally. And I, to be perfectly honest, I, I, it's not that I disagree with that, but I have a different perspective. And I have always said, because I've learned this from a a previous mentor, is that everybody should be treated fairly and objectively, but not everybody is treated the same. Because not everybody can be treated the same because every situation is different. But when you put the human sign, you put the the person first, that those things like that could affect uh, discipline or they could affect, um, you know, schedule. They could affect a variety of things because one person's issue or concern may not be somebody else's. So that's why we try and advocate an open door policy and just knowing your people. And I learned that in one of Adam's sessions. So recognizing that people are first is a constant learning process. So, when Samantha Hawkins and I were doing our, our first session on Help Me on the Difficult Employee, I'll give a, a, a shameless plug for Stephen Martini. Many know Stephen. He's an amazing director and he's just an amazing human being. And in the chat of that virtual comment, he said, Yes, absolutely, it's people over process. And once that, sec- that segment was over, I literally got up on my dry erase board and I wrote that people over process. And I took that back to my command staff and I said, this is it. This yep. is the motto that we have to go by. And then we started removing things from our complaint process because people were feeling like there was complaint after complaint after complaint because, you know, we have to document it. And I said, let's start giving, like, at one point, this is what I said to them. When did we stop giving people the benefit of the doubt? And then that's kind of been what our um, focus has been for the last year is let's go back to giving people the benefit of the doubt. So that, that was an aha moment for us. And then when we started removing certain um, technical things, if you will, pieces of paper, if you will, from the documentation process for optics perspective, it started making people feel more like we are treating them like human beings because human beings make mistakes. Um, right. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody should receive some punitive punish, you know, some punishment for a mistake that they made by, you know, switching two numbers in unintentionally in, in a CAD. So, uh, you know, it's it, realizing people-driven leadership is a constant. It, it's, it's just a constant, you know, and I think it just goes back to being genuine, being empathetic with your people, being compassionate and being authentic. I love it.
0: And so when you mentioned about and I was going to say something about the treating people equally, too, and it's not to call out. And I'm the way this system works is if you didn't register, we can only see Facebook users. Uh, but one of the things that my entire life, I was taught to live by the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated. But I realized that through my um, DISC human behavior model training and education and training that I give out to folks is is I think sometimes. I have to follow the platinum rule, which is treat others in the way that they want to be treated. Right. So somebody who's reserved, they don't want all the hoopla and the pomp and circumstance walking up to them and putting your hand on their shoulder and saying, I appreciate you. You did a great job is, is awesome. Right. But then somebody like me and, and, and I know Jeremy, we're very outgoing. So we want you to say, Hey, you did a good job. And and then that reassures us that we're doing a good job. Right. So Fairly, in a sense, there. Yeah, you can't treat them unfair. You can't give somebody and not the other. But really, meeting people where they're at is is my my goal now, and getting folks to understand that. Um, and with that, I want I want to shift to Melissa. What you said, people over process, and this is going to lead right into the last topic, which which is great. Um, is people over process jeremy i want you to chime in here i know you that you advocate for people-driven leadership and i also know that you are advocating for advancements in technology and understanding of technology but with that comes process right jeremy can you add a little bit about your thoughts on moving that forward and then i'll go to the girls to kind of find out their mindset and and, and how are you putting people over the process of implementing new technology
1: well, I just wanna to say to Melissa's point about um, telling people that their hair looks great. Melissa's never once told me that my hair looks great. And- um, I'm taking a drink
2: my, of water here, don't do that. My, my,
1: my former deputy director, now executive director of Mountain Valley, Keely Heyman always told me how great my hair looked when I walked in and, and she's in the thread today. So I just wanted to give her an acknowledgement since Melissa never once said how great my hair looked. Um, I'm not sitting on my hands, by the way. They are they are right here, so I'm going to try to keep them through this through the session here. Okay. Um, to your to your question though about you know about technology, one of the ways that I I felt I was successful in helping to roll out new aspects of technology with my group is we we would on occasion, and this started when I was up in Rochester, New York, we created a work group, essentially designed just to talk about emerging technology and kind of what people thought about. And the great thing about this is. There were so many folks that, that knew very, very little about it. Uh, just having open dialogue uh, conceptually about what's going on with it and, and what their thoughts are. You know, one of the big things that we hear, especially on the video and imagery side is, oh, when this gets here, I'm out of here. Well, why why is that? Why do you have that feeling? We, we heard a lot of that when Text to 911 first came out, right? And we know that Text to 911 wasn't really the, as big of an impact as we thought it was going to be. I mean, it's it's a very small overall percentage of the calls that we get. And I would, the research also suggests that imagery is gonna be a lot of the same thing, But but the best way to kind of stifle some of those concerns that your folks have is to have those open conversations with them about things that you're looking to deploy. And it doesn't need to be the game changing technology like imagery or video, those kind of things. It could be, um, you know, what three words? I mean, Melissa, you and I talked about what three words after we we did that up in our center and -hmm. what the benefit was there. Each of these things are little tools in the toolbox, but I'll go back to that original phrase that I heard at a conference. People fear two things, change in the way things are, right? (laughs) You you can't have it both way. If we're gonna progress in this profession, we have to minimally, as leaders, evaluate these technologies, whether we decide to operationalize them or not. We have to at least evaluate them and make an educated decision before just saying, no, I'm not going to do that. The same applies to any kind of technology. There's a lot of great innovators out there that are doing amazing things in the technology space, and they're, and they're building these tools, whether over the top or integrated, that come right into our centers and help us do the jobs that we do. So... The first thing that you need to do in these situations, if you're if you're a leader in this space, involve your frontline folks, your call takers, your dispatchers, your supervisors. This cannot be, technology implementation and adoption cannot be just an, an executive or administrative level decision. It right. has to involve all the people. You're already losing people right now because of the whole work-life balance and the way things are changing. It's gonna get even worse if you don't involve them in, in game-changing decisions like technology adoption.
0: And, and Roxy right there, she, she, she piped right up. Absolutely. Having the conversations. And again, I think when I was, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. When I was in the center, I was the director. I felt like it was my responsibility to roll out these things. So I would find all the things and I would get all the information and then I would just roll it out without even having a conversation with them saying, Hey, this is something that I'm, I'm looking at. What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? What can I bring back? And I, I was doing kind of things in a funnel. And, and I, I, I'm sad that I did that. If I had the opportunity to go back and do it again, I, I would definitely do it very differently. And you guys, you know, your, your center, well, both of you, I'm going to get to both of you, but and what, what what is your thoughts on how we're rolling out new technology? Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of really cool technology that's coming and it can be overwhelming, but if it's done the right way, it's going to be amazing.
3: No, it's true. I mean, when I got to the center now, um, we weren't even taking our phase one calls yet. Um, you know, so it, 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 it was a process. I'm a big proponent of pilot programs, right? You talk to your, to your staff, you get them to think, or to at least see things from where you're coming from. And then you tell them, give me three months. Can we, can we try this out for three months? And if at the end of the three months, it really doesn't work for your staff, you have to be willing to say, okay, this does not work for us. Yeah. And I was willing to do that. I was willing to say, okay, give me three months. Can we try this out? Phase ones for three months. And, you know, for those of you who are not in Massachusetts, there's this whole... I was just going to say, I think you need to... Lucy, you need to do some explaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this whole difference between taking like regular phase two wireless calls, you know, cell phone calls that are going to give us a better location. And then there's like the phase one calls that are not going to give us great location. Sometimes it could be in a different city and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, and, and and the staff was very apprehensive about it because most of our communities have a um, highway that runs through it. So Mm -hmm. they were very afraid they were going to get all of the highway calls and, and you know what? Like, yeah, we do get calls from our surrounding cities and towns, but it's not overwhelming them. And they got to see it. And they had my reassurance that if at the end of the three months, which we are coming up on our three months, um, I was going to look back and I was going to say, okay, this is an impact. We're not ready to do this, or, yeah. or this is not an impact and we're going to move forward with it. And I talk to them and I get them excited about things. and And it's it's interesting because it's always like some people they're like, okay, I like it, and then other people are like, wait, and right. I'm like, no, it's, diff- it's it different.
1: It's different. It's different. We don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. I um, you know, Tracy, to to your point, it's uh, and again, this is kind of where I got a little mirror put up in front of my face just last week um by my leadership team. I as a director i always feel like, like let's be innovative let's let's look at all the latest and greatest technology when we take um when we take our now one team to conferences like we had six people at the nina conference last week and um i i have quite a few going to the apco conference you know we always encourage them like go take a look at the uh, the vendor hall and take a look at the new technology see what you want you know see what we can do better and i always i really do love seeing that excitement on some folks but and I was looking there was another non-one director that posted something recently. So full disclosure here, he posted something recently, especially if some of my team is watching <laughs> and I, I sent it to my technology director. And I said, we need this. Let's look at it because I can't one healthy competition amongst directors. Right. I'm like, I can't let them one up us. We, you know, we have to we have to do this and let's yeah. take a look at this and let's set up a demo. And then when I met with my leadership team, just about something entirely different, there was one thing that I I really realized, and I really have to take a step back right now. Our folks are tired. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: We're tired, right? We are in a, again, a, a historical and unprecedented staffing crisis right now. And I think every director out there would agree with that. And we have to take care of our people. Is this piece of technology that I wanted for us really necessary right now? I mean, right. improve operations, sure, but what's going to be more of a detriment to operations is the um, to add more stress and burnout to our team. And so we're, we're putting a big fat pause on it. Now that, that's, that was something that specifically would affect operations, but you know, we're looking at a scheduling program, we're looking at those kinds of things that are just gonna improve business altogether. That's a little different um, because that's not something that they have to learn to do their job so right now we're just kind of trying to take a little bit of a pause um and 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 give them a break when it comes to stuff like that and i think that it's a i think we owe it to them so that's how we're 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 working with that right now
0: i do and so so i want to bring up what joyce here said you know the jump in approach is definitely scary and she was a little excited about the prepared demo so i i'm just going to throw this out there for prepared is you know they're working through what what prepared is doing is they're going to give you the opportunity to bring in some video to have some text messaging text texting out capabilities um it, me sitting here looking going wow this is some really great technology but again it's also scary But I think what folks do need to get better at is being an advocate for what their folks need at that time. So when you look at something that Prepared's doing, they're going to send video, but they're doing it the right way and they're giving you the opportunity to say, you know what, I really don't need to see that. I can blur out the video, right? But to speak to Melissa's point and to Joyce, you know, she, she posted another thing is it feels like there's something new coming every week. What I have to share with folks is There are folks out there looking for their next livelihood to look to make things better. There are folks that came from the center that are trying to make things better. And they truly believe that the technology that maybe they're trying to sell or give away for free is the is is going to help them save steps and in turn help save the caller, which in turn will help, you know, with their mental health. And I do feel that. Whatever it is that we're doing, whether we're on the vendor side trying to share technology or we're on the supervisor side trying to bring you the technology. But here's I'm going to say this and this might be hard for some of our frontline folks to hear. If you're concerned, if you're stressed, if, if you don't like what's happening in the moment, have that, as Melissa said, that courageous conversation with your boss, because when you're talking to each other about it. And you're getting aggravated. Oh, they're bringing out another thing this week. Oh, did you see that email? Did you see that? Nothing is going to be resolved in a fo- positive way. Would you agree? Would, you, would yeah. you guys
2: agree? Absolutely.
1: Certainly not via email.
2: No.
0: <laughs> and and yeah.
3: certainly for the leaders out there too, like it's, it's having those hard conversations. I've had, you know, I've heard people say, you know, to their staff, um, and it, you don't have to be, you know, this rash, but sometimes you might have to say, well, it sounds like you're talking yourself out of a job because that's the direction that our, you know, industry is going. Um, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, in Massachusetts, there are so many mandates, right? Like we, with EMD and, and so there are certain things that the directors don't have really a say, um, before implementing, um, which at that point that I feel like that's when you would have those conversations, those, you know, more firm conversations. But if it's something that you're choosing to implement, you know, take it from the, you know, from Melissa and I, and, and from, from the two of you too, it, it's, it's important to involve them. It's important to get them excited about it. And it's important to allow them to try it and, and to be able to pull it back if you have to.
0: Yep. And, and I, this, here's my public apology. We have a bunch of people listening. Maybe my folks are. Here's my I'm sorry. I just thought in the role that I was in that it, the, the decision was ultimately going to fall on me. And if I could go back and do things different, I would. So there.
1: I would only share one more comment based on what Melissa said before about, you know, maybe now it's just not the right time. Th- this is why having situations where you're communicating with your staff on a regular basis and not just when something bad happens is so hypercritical. Uh, mm-hmm. you may you may decide that it's not the right time to deploy a new technology or even or even test it because of where you are in a staffing situation but but there's nothing wrong with sending your folks out a white paper or having them look at a website and say hey this is something that we're thinking about maybe six months from now maybe a year from now but start the dialogue early because the other side of this and I'm speaking I'm speaking to the directors and the leaders out there one of the other things that really drives innovation and drives, operational deployment of these technologies is some traumatic horrible thing happens to somebody one of the people that you serve or a first responder and if it's determined after the fact that had you deployed these technologies as a tool for your staff that maybe that didn't happen I I would argue that as a director yes you absolutely have a responsibility to your people but you also have a responsibility to the public and the public safety partners that you serve you can't just decide not to deploy a technology yeah you're right it's you got to weigh it out Mm -hmm. but you got to find that happy medium you have to communicate with your staff that's imperative no question maybe you're not the first to operationalize but start having those conversations so that if somebody says what happened with this why didn't we do this hey we're we're working on it we're already having those conversations You, you know just have the conversations that's all i can say
3: Well, and I think evaluate the impact on your staff, I think that is the bigger picture that people need to start looking at is like, what is the impact on my staff going to be? Do I need more staff in order to deploy this um, efficiently? Is it going to prevent them from doing something else that they already have to do? So it's really like taking that deep dive and evaluating this, whether it's technology, policy, procedure, whatever it is that you're trying to implement, and really like evaluating the impact on your staff and on your operation and on how you communicate it to your responders and on how you communicate to your community. So it's you know it, it, yeah. the role of the director nowadays and, and I think forever it should have been this way. I think we're just kind of waking up to it now is that we're not no longer just, you know, top down. We're right. we're doing a full three sixty here and we are, you know,
0: looking at everything. It's
3: it's you're having our to keep staff. you're having
1: to keep piles of people happy exactly.
0: And I think that goes back to the, the people driven <laughs> mindset, right? Cause as we mentioned, it, for me, it was top down when in reality it, it had to be up. And so the, the, one of the things that I do want to, to, to shout out, and, and I know Ryan Chambers is in there watching, um, and Melissa, you just, you just touched on it too, is, is getting kind of a pulse check on them, right? Mm-hmm. Giving them the opportunity. And I was super excited to talk with Ryan and see the technology that they're rolling out from Frontline, where not mm-hmm. only is it a quality assurance program, but they've added a wellness component to it where like there's a point system and you can check in on your folks right so imagine and if you if you put something like this in place and now you roll out the new technology right and now all of a sudden you start seeing you know folks getting more stressed or or people checking out or complacency setting in or mistakes being made you know it definitely putting all of these tools in place on the back side is super beneficial too uh, but but at the conference, Ryan had had said something when he introduced me to his boss. And I just I thought it was really cool. And, and Ryan, I appreciate that you said this is when he introduced me, he said she was one of the pioneers that that drove vendors embracing the mental health aspect of it. And that was something that I was super appreciative of Rapid SOS allowing me to do like they supported me in going places and, and not only talking about the technology, but the mental health aspect of it. And what I'm seeing is a lot more vendors are understanding that and having an appreciation for it, as I know you guys are, Jeremy, at at your place. So,
1: communication. What is the what is the great way to sum this up? Communication is key.
2: Communication
1: is key to the public safety partners you serve, to the communities that you work with, and absolutely positively essential as Adam just mentioned you, yeah. you have to be you have to be talking with your folks at all time you can't you can't live in a vacuum you can't operate in a vacuum you have to be communicating with your folks on a regular basis and it can't be just when something bad happens they can't only see you on the operations floor when something bad happens or when some politician is walking in you have to be present all the time you have to
0: yeah, yeah. and remember yeah. All right, friends. So, so we've been at this an hour, and I know Melissa, you have to go. Uh, I, we could do this all day. You, you know how I feel about these these three <laughs> specific topics, but I, I just want to say thank you so much for you all to be here. Jeremy, thank you for putting up with my shenanigans and and joining me on these. I I,
1: I have a hair appointment at one thirty, so not that not the not that Melissa would, not that Melissa would know anything about that. <laughs>
0: And then thank you to NGA Next Generation Advance for sponsoring me to be able to allow me to bring this, this much needed information. So keep an eye out. We're going to be doing this uh, more. Uh, so let us know how you like the conversations. If you want more information on anything we talked about, you can reach out to me uh, at teldridge at onscenefirst.com. Visit my website because this stuff is going to live there in the near future. So I appreciate you all. Stay safe. Stay thank strong. You.
1: Bye,
2: everybody. Thank you.
0: We need you.